Is happiness a moral obligation? Episode number 93. Can you pull that off? <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. So um, the question has the word obligation in it, which already has your hackles up. Yeah, it always gets my hackles up, the whole <laughs> obligation thing, because I, I don't know. Freedom you want to be free. I want to be free. Yes. <laughs> and as soon as someone starts talking about obligations, then you, you start losing me already. Do you think that there is a culture of enforced positivity in our society right now? Um, I think so. I think there's a big uh, emphasis on happiness and being happy and being positive in that happiness. So if you have your positive thinking, positive thinking hat on, then, you know, that's that's the space that you want to be in. You always want to be happy. And anything that you're doing, if you ain't happy, don't be doing it. It's to kind of go in, you know, if you think about the self-help industry, everything's all about how to get to that place of sort of happiness and bliss and um, a lot of that talk is around positive thinking um, and focusing on what it is that you want in that aspect and looking at it. Yeah, so I think it's a, yeah, well, that whole industry is a whole big industry, isn't it, in terms of being a multi-billion dollar industry? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I've got a, and one of the things that bothers me with it is that whole sort of preying on the fear and greed. Right. So it's my life is miserable and empty and I'm missing out so do these things and you'll have everlasting happiness <laughs> yeah right um, or it's the greed factor so do these things you'll make lots of money and I then you'll be happy yeah this um, question caught my eye because I got a you know I'm on one of these lists for these different articles and and this was something that came up that is something that several sort of philosopher writers have written about. So we have Elizabeth Barrett Browning, who is like late uh, 19th century writer. Um, and then you have stuff from Simone de Beauvoir, which you know most people will know for her sort of feminist views in the early 20th century, but um, who also talks about sort of the relationship between freedom and happiness. And then you have Albert Camus, which you're going to totally get on board with, with the existential kind of oh, yeah. angle on that. <laughs> But, you know, so it sort of caught my eye because I think that there's, and I guess my interest in this question is sort of like, okay, so you have this idea that I do believe in that your attitude and the way that you think about something can profoundly change your reality. Yeah, no, I'm so, on board with that, definitely. So, it, so you have that, but then you have the, the flip side of it, which is that we have a range of human emotions that... It is true that in the face of certain experiences, happy is not a healthy response. So, you know, in the face of someone you love dying or a illness diagnosis, or in my case this week, spilling coffee on my computer, <laughs> ah, you know, if I had like laughed and been joyful in that moment, that would have been a weird, been a weird response. <laughs> you know, so. You know, that, and that then quote I, that I sent to you earlier about um, you're happy, you know you're happy until you're not happy. I think it was something. Yeah, along those there lines. was. Where was it? Now I'll, yeah. I can get that in my notes. I think it was Albert Camus who said, 
you know, sometimes we only know we are happy when we no longer are happy. Are happy, yes. Yeah. Um, which is interesting to me on that end, because as I was re- doing the reading and, and looking at some of the videos, I was thinking, well, and I know we've talked about this topic before, but it's just this question of what the heck is this, what is this happiness thing? So yeah. What does it mean to be happy? And I guess, and then that, that quote that you just read there, and it made me think, well, okay, well, I guess when I'm not anything other than if I'm not mad or I'm not sad or I'm you not gloomy, so if I'm no other emotion, then I must be in a state of happiness. Yeah, right. Because I'll only know that I'm out of happiness. See, I don't, I don't out. really, I don't really buy that. But I, I listened to this um, Susan David TED talk. She's a South African. Um, I want to say she's a psychologist, but I'm not really sure what her field is. But anyway, she studies emotions. Right. Um, and she talks a lot about emotional, um, uh, what is the word that she uses? Like um, agility. So that instead of being rigid about our emotions, instead of being like things are good and things are bad and happy is good and sad is bad, which is a very rigid understanding of things. She is sort of more like we need to get more sophisticated and be more emotionally agile so that we can accept and embrace emotions that are sort of quite complicated and not necessarily like wholly positive or wholly comfortable maybe yeah. is the right word for it. But one of those, and we can talk about this later, I don't want to take you off your train of thought because I think I posed the question, Look, if we look at the U.S. Constitution and this idea of the pursuit to happiness yeah. and as I was looking at this definition of happiness, it made me think about the fact that in some instances we're talking about the feeling of happiness, whereas like in that instance, in the time of 1776, happiness was about conditions of, you know, wealth, well-being, and, you know, that aspect, so it was more conditioned things, not necessarily an emotional Response. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think the, the thing I wanted to say about this TED Talk, and there's a lot more to say about it, but she does make that exact point about the use of words. And actually, in our emotional lives, we sometimes paint a really broad brushstroke with our words about what is it, what we're actually feeling. And so happy can be sort of this, what is it actually, is what you're saying. Yeah. And similarly, she's like, you know, the brushstroke for negative emotions at this point is the word stress, like I'm stressed, like we sort of say that about to mean all kinds of things and until her argument is until we're clear about what we're feeling we have no idea how to appropriately respond so anyway she she sort of gets into that point like you actually need to know what you're talking about first yeah and and it's interesting that because i think you think you intuitively know how you're feeling but i think when you start interrogating what is (laughs) what a feeling is um, I'm not so sure that 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 it is easy to articulate. No, it's not, and I yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, this idea yeah. of having a, a more more moral obligation to be happy. What was that about? Well, it's and why would we have struck, to have this obligation? So before, like, I mean, you know, I was a bit. Um, disappointed actually with some of the articles I read because you know you put Albert Camus in the front of an article and I think ooh he must have something very interesting to say about it and actually like the article didn't not that he didn't have anything to say but it certainly wasn't in the article that anything that profound but there's that other part of me that thinks 
there is also a parallel tendency in our society to be like a martyr and sort of embrace victimhood. Right. And, you know, we've done an episode about, you know, the story that we tell ourselves about our lives and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I also do feel like there's a real power to the things that we repeat about ourselves, about our lives, that are not necessarily untrue, but just that if we continue to tell the story of all the bad stuff or all the ways that we feel negative, we enhance those. It's like, you know, that's the wolf you're feeding, yeah. if you want to go back to that metaphor. The wolf you're and, feeding. you know... I like the wolf. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I love that metaphor because yeah. basically it, it does say there's everything in you, but you have a choice about what you're going to do. And I think then I'm back to the like, well, am I, am I out in the world sort of forcing people to be positive when they're not? Because I'm like, stop telling yourself a victim story or, or do you know what I mean? Like when is there, can it be in a state of happiness, but also be mad or angry or that, that yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I sort of came to is like, yeah. how, what is that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think if we went from the 1776 definition, as in the wealth and prosperity and um, well-being, mm -hmm. so if those things are in a state that gives you, I guess... Um, decent life. Yeah, a yeah. decent life, then, yeah, you can still have loads of emotional range within that, but those three pillars are, are met. Yeah. And so you're not at the tyranny of being happy, but you have happiness. So if happy, and I know we talked about this before, so happy is, is probably the emotion. Happiness is the state of being or the state of being of your life. Yeah, we said that was episode it. 83, I think. 80, 83, I think, is yeah. the yeah, happiness episode. If you didn't listen to that, then you can go back and... Yeah, Here's chat about a, all this yeah, stuff again, but yeah. yeah. So, um, in this idea of, of the moral obligation, when I was looking at Camus' stuff, I think if we're going by this idea that you have, that we're seeking this meaning. Yeah. And because it was that meaning and truth line, I think, that I, I kind of threw out at you. Um, let me just find it here. So, um, those three things, that prosperity, thriving, and well-being, that was the 1776 common meaning of happiness as opposed to today's meaning of happiness, which is a focus on pleasant, positive emotions and, and having your needs met. Yeah. Um, we can put needs in quotation marks. Yes. <laughs> so, and I'm thinking about the sort of Kemu aspect in terms of... Um, yeah, it's happiness about finding ourselves and living our truth. I think that I picked that up in the brain pickings bit as she was introducing another quote from Camus here. And two things for me that jumped out of that was one is this idea again about finding ourselves. And for me, how can you ever be lost when you are you? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and then the other thing is this idea of, of living your truth, whatever that means. But when I looked a little bit deeper on that, then I thought, okay, so... You know, if his big push was always about finding meaning, and then once you found the meaning for your life or you, whatever that is, then the happiness aspect and living your truth aspect becomes living your life according to that meaning that you've 
established yeah, right. or giving given it yeah um, but he did make it you know a point of saying that it's an ongoing pursuit so it's not as if you're actually ever going to find definitively yeah. what this meaning is but it, it's the act of pursuit of trying to continue yeah through I the mean, course of your life to sort of find it I mean I think that the thing that made me want to pursue this question was the discussion so there was an article about Elizabeth Barrett Browning who's um, as I said sort of like late 19th century writer who talks about the moral obligation of happiness and basically the article talks about her life that was really marked by a series of loss and then a kind of chronic illness that you know, put her in bed often. Right. You know, so you think about like I recently rewatched um, the film on Frida. Um, you know, Frida, uh, the artist. Uh, yes. Yeah. And uh, Col- uh, shoot, I'm gonna anyway. Forget yeah. it. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, everyone knows what I'm talking about. So, um, you know, and there, there's sort of this idea. So he says. So the article says that not only in the midst of all of this difficulty did she renounce the myth of the suffering artist, but she also, yeah, Colo, yeah, 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 thanks. Um, it was there, but I was going Paolo Coelho as well. Yeah, I, are you my head, my, yeah. my head You're mixing them all together. Um, You're mixing but, your gurus together. That's right, exactly. Uh, the article describes how she, quote, played the card she had been dealt with a remarkable buoyancy of spirit. And she wrote, after a course of bitter mental discipline and long bodily seclusion, which I suppose comes from her illness, I came out with two learnt lessons, the wisdom of cheerfulness and the duty of social intercourse. Anguish has instructed me in joy and solitude in society. And so I, I sort of feel like there's that other part of my own belief and value system that sort of is a, is sort of that there is some sort of moral obligation, both potentially, like most importantly, I think maybe to yourself, but then also to others. I feel like there is something in that that's like. There's some sort of moral obligation to not drown in, like, sorrow, you know? I, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. See, yeah. and, then, and then I go back into, you know, I, I see the, like, dangerous flip side of that, which is, like, if you're going through depression, to say you have to be cheerful is not the right attitude. But I think, you know, w- what really strikes me about her description of this is... It sounds very much like a a sort of meditation, mental training sort of attitude to what she's calling happiness or cheerfulness, but which, you know, we might assume is more of a joyful acceptance of all of life or something. I don't know. I'm putting words in her mouth now. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I get it. And I think some of it is, is, is probably the tendency that of blending the different words like cheerful was... You know, is that yeah. happiness or is yeah. that just another degree of happy? Yeah. Yeah, so it's that kind of blend. Because I know that one video that you sent through, one of the criticisms of the guy in there, because he was saying that you have a moral 
obligation to be happy, meaning to be positive around other people. Even even if you don't feel like that to fake it. Even if you don't feel like it to fake it because you affect other people around you. So if we link back to the sort of social contract, I guess, where he was getting at, you know, you're part of society and you're interacting with people. So you have this moral obligation to be happy because you're affecting the people around you. Um, I don't necessarily buy that aspect of um, the reason why it would be a, a moral obligation. Um, well, one, because it's something we talked about, I don't know if it was last week, whereas you get to choose how you're going, how you are as an individual going to react. So my actions are independent. Your emotions are independent of my actions. Yeah. Now, if I do something that makes you angry, it's not on me, it's on you. Yes, I've done the thing, but you've chosen to react in an angry way to what I've done. Because equally, the same action that I've done may be pleasant to someone or they might get joy out of it. Or So yeah. it isn't my action, it's your reaction to my action that causes the emotion. And so from the standpoint of, of this idea that, you know, you have a moral obligation to be happy because you affect the people around you, I, I, don't, I don't buy that one personally from that from that point of view i think there's sort of a so so the crazy guy sort of is also making that argument like one of his examples was in the video you're talking about was it's no it's no good thing for a child to be raised by unhappy parents right okay so then the parents are under some kind of moral obligation to be happy but i think i sort of wonder if it doesn't go wrong at the point where you're asked to fake it. But can there, without you being under any obligation to fake happiness, be under some kind of moral, maybe maybe obligation is the wrong word, maybe that's too strong, maybe it needs to be a sort of compulsion or, you know, like if you love someone, then you want to be your best person for them. I suppose and it's hmm. sort of like there's there's sort of a recognition that yes on the one hand we are all responsible for our own emotional worlds and on the other hand we are all existing in this web of like social care and love for each other and intimacy and there is a connection between the way that I act and the way that someone else in my life feels do you know what I mean particularly if you think about kids then you're in a state of like they're vulnerable to you and you know whatever yeah they've got to suck it down until they get 18 and they can leave yeah exactly they can leave the nest up until then (laughs) but I feel like there is I don't know what the right word to put on it is but I do feel that there is something there in that idea of a moral obligation to be happy like there's something about taking responsibility not not and again like i guess not to say that you can't within that state be sad be angry be whatever that all of these emotions can exist within a state of like m- maybe happy is the wrong word maybe we need like well-being you you have a op- moral obligation to work towards your own well-being would yeah. you go with that well, well, only if I give up my freedom, then yeah. <laughs> if I'm willing to succeed my um, my individual right to freedom, <laughs> yeah. then yeah. But that, but the other thing I was you were making me think as you were saying that is, 
you know, your opening question about um, is it too much positivity or focus on positivity? Yeah. In a sense, is the greater society making us pursue the moral obligation of happiness? If I consumerism and all the messages yeah, that we're getting true. is pushing you to go to this place of happiness, so I'm working like a dog so that I can get money so I can be happy. You know, we got yeah, that right, kind right, of right. paradigm kind of operating but then that keeps you being a consumer and i know we talked about the consumer society and that keeps you that keeps you in that trap of being um a consuming machine (laughs) and you know know, totally you know on the top of that there was that article about the danish psychologist his name is sven brinkman Hmm. and he is arguing that in the workplace there's this insistence on cheerfulness and that sort of actually commodifies our emotions. Now I can I can go with that. In the workplace, you should be cheerful. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll come. We'll pick up on yeah. that after the break. Okay. Good idea. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. Our goal for 2018 is to grow our audience, our community of contemplators like you. And we would really appreciate your help with this. Now, there's a few things that you as a listener can do that are pretty easy and simple that will really help us out a lot. So if you enjoy the podcast and want it to continue, it would be great if you could share it with a few friends who you think might enjoy listening. Um, Going to iTunes and giving us a review so that it boosts us in the algorithms and it can come across other people who might enjoy it. And if you'd like to financially support the podcast, you can go to the contribution section of our website. Thanks, and back to the show. So, yeah, I think there is... So you're all... Yeah, I'm all a, about the cheerful You're the all about place. free until you get to work. Well, because you enter into a different contract yeah, when you come no, into work, you. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, because your freedom would be, actually, I don't want to be cheerful, so I'm not going to work there, and that you can vote with your feet. But if you're going to come to that space then I think if if any place in this conversation that will highlight this moral obligation to be happy in the workplace would be it because we're there to do a job and get things done and if you come with a negative mood from bringing some stuff from outside because you've got your home life is crazy and that then affects the people around you because it does bring people's mood down which brings productivity down and so on and you're not there for yeah. your personal benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So take that outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go in a room and fix it. And then when you're I in. kind of wonder whether you're making me think about my work, which is exactly the opposite, which is, you know, when I'm teaching yoga, there's a sort of, I don't know if it's a spiritual aspect of yoga exactly, but there's sort of an emotional or psychological experience of yoga where you're doing something physical, but there's a mental attitude of acceptance, a sort of radical acceptance of yourself as you are in that moment on the mat. And, um, you know, I often say, and, 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 and this is sort of what attracts me to the practice as well, is you can sort of drop all your roles on the mat you know, you don't have to be your name. You don't have to be anybody. You can just literally be nobody and move. And all of the obligations you have to other people and all the roles you play, you can literally take off all the masks and just move and just be with yourself. And 
But that said, it's not a place to completely... I don't want to say it's not a place to break down, but it's not a place to start talking about all your emotions to everyone around you. So, in so that there's sort of you've got a moral obligation to be happy in the yoga mat. No, I don't think so. I think maybe this is one of my ways of that I can sort of use to think about this. Like, where's the middle ground? Which is, you can be anything you want, but you have to also be strong enough to hold it. Like, it can't be all spilling out onto other people. So you can be sad on your yoga mat. You can sort of even cry on your yoga mat. I mean, people do. Mm. But there has to be a sort of acknowledgement that this, like, I've got this. Like, this is who I am, and it's cool, but I'm also not asking you to engage with it. Okay, well, that's different. Do you see what I mean? If you're saying that everybody's, on my mat, I can be who I want. So if I want to be angry or if I want to be sad... But it's, an in, but it's an internal feeling and an internal experience. The, because, you know... The, oh, no, no, hold up. Yeah, don't yeah, don't go. go away. Because I'm just... So when you say it's internal, so if I'm externally sad, is that bad in the yoga environment? So I'm... It depends, I think. ...wailing away, crying because I'm think sad. so. Yeah. Right. I, so, think then, I think then you need to move. It's not that it's bad. Not but bad. Then, but, but then you need to go out of the room. I have to be a certain way within that space. It's true. Yes. But then, you know, so... But, when, I'm not saying, but you're not saying that you have to... You can be whatever emotion you want. You can feel whatever you want to feel, to, it's but almost you have to hold like, it. But it's almost like your video then where he's saying that you've got to fake the exterior... Your exterior in that scenario, as I'm picking up, you has to be a certain way because you have to be mindful of the person to the, your left and right. It has to be a certain way, but maybe not cheerful. But then you're not yeah. really interacting with other people yeah. and you're not. So that's sort of a difference yeah. then in the rest of your life, you know, and that's what's sort of nice yeah. about it. But, you know, this Susan David, who did this TED Talk, which it's funny because she's her TED Talk has been coming up. People have been recommending it to me and it's been coming up on my Facebook feed for literally like three or four weeks now. And I haven't listened to it. Right. And then it came up again. I was like, all right, the universe is telling me something. I guess I've got to listen to it. I guess I got to listen to it. But, you know, when she's talking about all these emotions, she talks about the sort of link between feeling something and translating that into action that is in line with your with your morals. So just because you know, so she says, you know, just because my son is feeling angry at his sister, that's okay. But he's not allowed to like give her away to a stranger in the mall, you know, like or he's not allowed to hit her. So there's sort of that very complex moment where you are able to acknowledge and be with whatever it is you're feeling but then have enough mindfulness I guess to decide how you're going to translate that into what kind of action yeah so I, no, I get that so you I mean you're you can feel however you want to feel it's when you take that if you take that action out on someone else that might be sort of like if I'm angry and then I just start yeah right smacking people and hit them because I'm angry so that breaks mm-hmm. a boundary yeah um, but no one's saying that I can't be angry uh, so in, I mean is that, that is that then the same thing at the workplace would you say like you can so maybe it isn't all that different maybe you can be whatever you want to be at work like if you've just lost somebody you don't have to go into work and maybe there's not an obligation to put a, this massive smile on your face but you have to be at least a certain way yeah, well in the workplace they would say you'd have to be professional yeah that would be the cat ball so yeah, you can right. be angry you can be whatever but inside the workplace you have to be professional and what that would mean is 
if I'm all angry, I'm not coming in and I'm shouting and screaming at everybody and snapping at everybody because that's not professional. But there's, but, you know, wouldn't you agree that within that cap of, of the idea of being professional is the idea that you are holding your own emotions. You're not, like, letting them spill out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so you're, you know, you're... I need to fake... I might be feeling like crap on the inside, but outwardly, I can't let that spill out. I don't have to be all happy and jumping yeah. around and doing cartwheels because you don't necessarily do that even when you're happy. So Because yeah. it works the other way. I mean, I might be super ecstatic happy. There is a, a time and a place in the workplace where, you know, you can't just go jumping around and having a party because you're so super happy yeah. um, in the workplace either because, again, it's a professional environment. So, yes, you have your burst of laughter that, that might happen, but it's not a... It's not a party place <laughs> as well. So, yeah, so I guess that's the best way of saying it is that you've, you've got to have um, a cap on the external expression or actions of whatever emotion that, you, that you're feeling. Right. And, it, and it's not an easy thing. And I say that, I'm saying it as if it's easy, but it's not an easy Because if you're sad, you're sad. And, then, um, and, and people will know that you're not at your normal level of you because you'll be more inward you may be more quiet you may be your facial expressions may be down but yeah and so people will pick up on the fact that something's not right but then the question where it may start to when it starts to affect other people's productivity then we're having different conversations at that point whether it's to go home whether it's to you want to go in a quiet room and have a talk about it or that kind of thing so maybe our we can shift this to say that our moral obligation is not to be happy or to even pursue happiness but to hold whatever to find some kind of ability and strength to hold whatever emotions we have ourselves I like the constitution's way of putting it your inalienable rights to the pursuit of happiness they never say it's your moral obligation to have this pursuit of happiness but as you pointed out the maybe instead of focusing on the word happiness we should focus on the word pursuit well yeah no absolutely so it's uh, not but, taking away your a means to pursue whatever happiness but means then going to you. then then circling all the way back do we have an obligation to the people who love us to pursue some kind of well-being see i, I don't see when you say obligation um and I was because I looked up. I was like, well, what is a moral obligation? And I looked up the sort of definition of it. And it's you know again, it's, it's something that pushes you towards something that you sh- you know you should do, but there's no law that says you have to do. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, then you have to have a question: well, What is your morality? So maybe in my world, in my religion, or whatever, you know, I don't have a moral obligation to make others around me happy or me to be in a state of well-being because they're responsible for their own selves. So my, maybe my moral obligation is to make sure that I am whatever I need to be, yeah. but irrespective of the people around me. Like, you know, because we've had a period of time, and this is why, you know, some people have pointed to the fact that, you know, the divorce rate and all that sort of stuff is higher because in previous years, you know, when you got married, it was until death do you part type thing. Even if you were miserable, then you tend to even to stick it through. But then we have this switch that says, well, actually, you have the right to be happy. 
So if you don't like your partner, ditch them. Yeah. And so we ditch them, regardless of whether it's going to affect the kids or whatever, because we're saying, as an individual, you have the right to be happy. Yeah. And I guess to answer your question in that sense, then no, as in because people get divorced, even though it's going to affect the kids. Yeah. But they feel that, well, I need to be happy. I need to go out and pursue the thing that makes me happy. Yes, the kids are going to be miserable for a little while, but they'll get over it because, you know, they will. Yeah. 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 But I I don't know, because I would then flip that around and say, well, you know, is is duty a higher order than happiness in that instance? So... And this is back to your obligation. So do I have an obligation then to think about the welfare of the people around me, even though I may be miserable or unhappy, but my obligation or my duty or my um, is to make sure that they're in the right sort of space. Yeah, so yeah. I do the sort of self-sacrifice yeah. for that good of others. Yeah. Did you watch the um, Will Smith video i've seen that before yeah because it went around okay so he was doing a lot of stuff on instagram and he was doing his insta stories and he was talking about a period in time with his wife and and her happiness and that kind of thing that's right so so basically there's a clip which i'll stick on the show notes that exactly most people have probably seen it it's been going around Mm. um he's all he's all into his vlogging now it's he's good at it too he's He's really good at it which i found interesting it's like what's he doing blogging vlogging yeah. yeah, it's cool. I don't know. I really liked his his couple of clips. And basically, he was sort of reflecting on the fact that there was a point in his life where, or in his marriage that they were not happy. Hmm. And he, he says in that video something like that they had this conversation where he was like, I retire. I retire from making, trying to make you happy. So go make yourself happy and prove to me that that's even possible. And... You know, as it, like as he sort of goes on in his reflection, because this is all obviously him telling what's happened in the past. Yeah. That, you know, I suppose he's just he just reflects in that video in a really nice way about how we're all on individual paths, but we have a responsibility to make ourselves happy, not to look to other people to make us happy. And if we're not taking responsibility for our own happiness... Then and maybe that is the the moral obligation to ourselves as well. To to I don't know. Maybe this is completely the wrong phrasing for that. Yeah, but no, it, it is. It, it's but, the opposite case of of what we're saying here. So in the how we started this is a moral obligation to be. Oh no! It was. I guess it's in support of your aspect. Do I have a moral obligation to make sure the people around me? Well, so basically, yeah, he's yeah. basically saying. Everybody needs to take responsibility to make them happy, to make themselves happy. And then in a marriage or in any kind of relationship, whether that's friendship, whether that's parent-child, like whatever, you show up to that relationship not asking someone else to make you happy. And so if you, I guess his point, which I really embraced a lot, is when you accept that there's that you have to make yourself happy and you have an obligation or not an obligation a responsibility only like no one else has a responsibility to make you happy that responsibility lies solely with you then you're not looking for other people to fill you up and then you have better relationships because you're not 
you don't show up to a relationship, whatever that is, in need. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So how do you? So then I guess this comes back to happy versus happiness. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, you know, if you're in a marriage or a relationship or what have you, there is some like you'll get to know your partner and you'll yeah. know the kind of things that may upset them, make them angry, make them not feel good about themselves. Right. So now I could come into the house and I can go right to that and like, you know what, I want to make that person unhappy and do those things because I know it's going to affect them or do I have a more obligation in that aspect to not affect your well-being even though I know that I can do, I can make you unhappy very yeah. easily. Yeah. I know, it's tricky, and it was interesting because then, then I was sort of inspired because, of course, then YouTube or whatever brought up the Jada Pickett Smith's version on, um, so you get the wife's version of this whole thing. And um, she was, her reflections, it was partly because of the way that the question was phrased, but her reflections were much more on the impact that motherhood had on her happiness and, and the sort of experience of motherhood of being required to give to everybody else and not and forgetting how to take care of yourself yeah and how to make you happy and that you know i think actually it's not only in motherhood it's also in the workplace or something but we have these sort of um experiences in our lives that are very dominating of our lives so the work place experience is a very dominating experience because you're there eight hours a day five days a week whatever eight hours where do you work at i, I forgot you're right you, you only work eight hours a day <laughs> i work 24 7 on another <laughs> <laughs> most everybody but else works loads of hours, exactly yeah. so basically and and also on top of that you have this idea of your career right so it's not only a day-to-day experience it's like this is one of the like categories of your life and that can kind of take over giving to the career can sort of take over giving to you until you sort of lose track of how to fill yourself up and make yourself happy so that then you can show up to work well or you can show up to your relationships well or I think it, you know the metaphor sort of yeah. goes I think it's it, I mean you, you're kind of uncovering some other things I think here as in you know can you can we separate out what society is saying is happiness mm-hmm. so your work shouldn't you know in, in one way you can look at it you know does should my work fulfill me and make me happy or do I make my happiness comes from an internal place so actually I could be you know shoveling poop and I'm still happy because yeah. I'm not defined by because you're a Taoist wizard oh well, yeah I'm not defined I mean if you think back to Fight Club that movie so we're, you're not your job you're not your how right. much money you have in the bank you're not all these things it's when you self-identify with those things that you can then become unhappy. But if you right. self-identify with my internal core, then but nothing then, can make me unhappy. But then you sort in of circle exactly. So then you sort of circle back because if you are in a state, like I think that there's a big difference between being sort of fundamentally unhappy, where you have this sense of lack, and then experiencing emotions that are difficult. Do you know what Isn't I'm just, it? So, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, you can be happy and sort of, well, happy is the wrong word. Let's not use it. Like, you can have a, a sense of well-being and, and happiness about your life. Show up to work, 
You're the best person you can be generally. Show up to your relationships. You're the best person you can be generally. But, and, and you can still, in all of those times, have things that are hard, be sad on certain days, be mad about certain situations. It doesn't really change that. Yeah. But then, if you are fundamentally unhappy, you're going to show up to all of these different aspects of your life without, you know, not as your best self, basically. Yeah, no, I get that. And I'm just thinking back to the, um, the one definition that was opposite to the 1776 one. So this idea about thriving, happiness, folks. No, I take that back. So 1776 one, that was it. So prosperity, thriving, and well-being. Mm-hmm. And they were just, because I, I guess as you, when you were saying what you were saying just now, and I was thinking that when when, I, when am I unhappy? And I can think about times when I was like, oh, and like really unhappy would be if I'm in a place where, where I can't thrive. Yeah, right. You know, it's just so oppressive. I can't be who I am. And mm-hmm. and it's, if that goes on for too long, then, yeah, yeah. then you get unhappy. Because I can think of times where life sucked, but we were happy. <laughs> and many a times as a soldier, you know, you're out in the cold, miserable, wet, you're hungry, you know, and in the suck conditions. Yeah. But actually, spirit and morale is up, and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're miserable and we're happy at the same time, right. if you can, yeah, if yeah, that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but you can equally, you know, if you take away my, like, I know there's things that people could do, you know, situations where if certain conditions aren't met. So if I was in a job, for instance, where I couldn't smile or be, because I'm a happy person generally. Yeah, so yeah, if I'm yeah. in a place where I can't smile or you know, you're not allowed to express any kind of, even look like you might be happy. Um, yeah. or, or you can't express your thoughts, so you're not allowed to express your opinions. So if I was in a place where you know, you're not allowed to speak your opinions and that kind of thing, um, again, if we're talking about the unhappiness and my un- my un- my happiness factor would go way way down because because yeah. I can't be clay. How yeah, do I yeah, define yeah. that? And I suppose that's that's for every individual, isn't it? What are the things? And maybe the word you use about well-being is the best one. What are the things that you know that um, has a positive effect on your well-being and you're in the pe- in your best place to to thrive? I guess that's the word for me. It's like can yeah, I? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, once that I don't. And in fact, for I me, like that. when I'm looking yeah. at the the prosperity, thriving, and well-being, um, I don't care about the prosperity and the well-being. It's, it's probably more the thriving. Can I? I guess because I'm looking at thriving as. I'm although, although be, as soon as you uh, your health isn't there or something, like you think about yes, the aspects yeah, of well-being, yeah, yeah, yeah. then maybe. Yeah, the, yeah, but you yeah. know that's. Um, well, that's true because, like, when my knee is all messed up, then then I'm not me. I can't be Clay. <laughs> I, mean, I can't be me. Is your knee still bad? Uh, it's better now. I can All actually right. go up the stairs That's straight, good. not sideways. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still can't drive for very long, but oh, well, well yeah, it hurts because yeah, it's bent because I have to, can't yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. put it out straight. Um, just thinking about thriving, I suppose maybe we should kind of wrap it up. But yeah. um, one of the podcasts that I really want to do is on um, this idea of thriving, and so. And that's the word that Joanna, uh, what is her name, Joanna Huffington? No. Oh, I'm terrible with my names today. But uh, Ariana Huffington, who runs the Huffington Post, or or who started the Huffington Post. 
Um, so that's her book. And so she has all kinds of different aspects of it. So, but yeah, yeah she uses that word, which is thriving, thriving. which is really much different words. than yeah. being positive or yeah. that kind of stuff. I really I appreciate that word. Jay Z's uh, um, nine to five is how you survive, and he doesn't want to survive. I want to live it to the limit and love it a lot. That's his line. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, no, good stuff. So, um, I think, yeah, we should pick up on that. What are the things that about thriving and what do you need to, to have those conditions to to thrive? I like, that's a good word, isn't it? That's a nice, It is a good word. word. It is a good word. I'm into it. I'm thriving. <laughs> All right, well, very good. So, I don't know how we conclude this. Do we have a more obligation to be happy? from your point of view? I think I'm going to stick with, we have a, I'm still going to stick with, we have a kind of obligation, like you defined it, like it's not a law, but there's something that should compel you to do it. Moral obligation to find some kind of well-being, find a sense of well-being or or pursue well-being. Right, even if you don't want to. Yes. (laughs) Because we live together. So then, then I'm going to be miserable because you're making me yeah. pursue. You're happiness. very lucky that I don't make the laws. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be happy whether you want to or I not. I didn't say happy. <laughs> or uh, yeah, happiness. What about you? Where are you landing? I think where I'm landing is um, that like if I go back to the sort of Camus bit there and that you, you find your, your meaning yeah. and then once you find your, what your meaning is, yeah. then live into that meaning is the thing that you do. So maybe there's a moral obligation to find the thing that brings meaning to your life. Are you using the word obligation? No. I was just trying to fit uh, into yeah, what you okay. guys yeah, say, yeah, but for yeah. me, so... <laughs> that doesn't um, sound like a clay word. Yeah, yeah. You have a... Uh, yeah, if I, if I was going to say anything, that, that yeah, it would be... That's how I would look at it, that, yeah. you know, you're... In fact... I started mentioning it before, so maybe it's your right to do that. Yeah. It's not your obligation. That's it's a clay right. word. Yeah. It's yeah. your right. And when anyone infringes on your right to do that, then we got problems. Then we can go to war and we can yeah. do all other sorts of things when you yeah. when you violate my inalienable rights. Okay, to I, re- li- I recognize you to again. life, liberty, and the pursuit <laughs> of happiness. Those are my inalienable rights. You can't take those away. Coffee? Yes. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. We have a goal for 2018 to grow our audience, our our community of contemplators like you, and we'd really appreciate your help. In fact, there's a few things that you can do quite easily that would really help us out a lot. One is by sharing it with other friends that you think might enjoy listening to the show. Another is going to iTunes and giving us a review, which will boost the algorithm and put the show out in front of more eyes that um, can, people can come across it. And you can financially support the show by going to the contribution section of our website. Thanks a lot.